Today's message is a one-off of what we are going to be talking about. Uh, we are in a series right now of Transform. Uh, last week, Pastor Joe talked about uh, the transforming message, and uh, we're going through the book of Galatians. Um, but this week, we are going to switch it up just a little bit. Uh, as you may know, this last Monday was Valentine's Day, and so we are really going to just hone in on what God talks about with love. Um, and we're actually going to look at a love story um, today between King David and God. Um, and it's so interesting when we start to look at, wait, there's a love story? You know, you usually think between a man and a woman, but you know how powerful our love story is with the one creator, God? It's absolutely amazing. But before we get going on that, uh, I just want to share a little bit of my love story um, with my wife, just a fun little uh, way that we met and um, really kind of a teaching moment in our own relationship uh, that will kind of set the precedence for this message. Um, so I had been up in Bellingham uh, getting ready to make some life decisions of where am I going to move uh, after I was a part of the church with Pastor Joe. And Pastor Joe got me connected with a church out in Illinois and the possibility for me to do an internship out there. Now, when you're talking about Washington, Northwest Pacific, um, it is an amazing spot. I mean, we absolutely uh, just adore where we live, right? We've got the mountains, we've got the ocean, and when you think of, unfortunately, um, for some people, Midwest is a little bit more inland, it's a little bit more uh, flat surface, and um, the opportunities that you have to be outdoors and things like that just present a little bit uh, tougher of issues, right? And so um, God really had to do some work for me to be able to move out into Illinois. And it was a huge faith step. Uh, one, I did not have a job lined up. I did not have housing lined up, um, but I did have a free internship uh, that was offered to me. So I could move out there and I could be a part of that. And so I get out there, uh, walked by faith. Um, maybe some would say a little bit of an impulse um, decision. Some would say, wow, who would do something like that with nothing lined up? Well, I believe God had a purpose for me out there. And uh, I knew that that was the best step for me to take, even though nothing looked right on paper for me to move out there. So I ended up moving out there and uh, just completely diving into the church. And on day one of me being at church, I saw this beautiful woman. And um, I started to think, wow, who is she? You know, just a ton of emotions running through like, wow, I mean, I got to get to know her. Uh, what's the best way? Actually, I got a photo real fast of what I look like when I moved out there. I was pretty, uh, what's the word? Let, let's just throw it out there, hippie. Uh, I had the long hair. Um, I definitely was going for more of the island life look and definitely was out of place out there in the Midwest. Um, and so I show up there as the crazy intern, the long hair, um, and definitely just felt a little bit out of place there in the Midwest. But I saw this girl and I was like, I got to get to know her. So we had this intern, um, like an uh, intern leader that was over. There were two uh, interns, me and another guy, and there was an intern leader. And so we met with him once a week. And the first week that we were there, I was like, yo, 
Mark, who's this girl? Like, you gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta tell me, like, what, what is up with this? And um, unfortunately, uh, I had to hear the bad news that she had a boyfriend at the time. And so uh, the bold self that I was, um, with all the emotions running through, I was like, you know what, Mark? I'm gonna date this girl by the end of the internship. It's gonna happen. I don't know how, I don't know why. Now, I will tell you one thing. I did not sabotage that relationship. I allowed for uh, opportunities to come. And honestly, I definitely, um, Susie and I, uh, we spent a lot of time together with youth group. We spent a lot of time together just getting to know each other just as friends. Uh, I was not stepping uh, into it. I never uh, would do anything that would harm her and her relationship. But we began to get to know each other. Um, and fortunately, um, around Christmas time, uh, she ended up breaking up with this boyfriend. And still at this point, I was kind of going through a little bit of a journey. Uh, here's actually a before and after photo of kind of the health journey that I was on um, through this time. So really, that was like a three month. I got there in September, started this health journey. And by December, um, this is what I was kind of um, just really confident in who I was, who God had created me to be. Uh, I was very excited. And so anyway, th this is kind of where I was um, in my life. And so um, I began to reach out. I began to just continue this relationship. Patience was key um, for me throughout this whole process. And you know what? We ended up dating uh, right around Easter time and rest is history. And I know that God had purpose for me to be out there. We were only out there for two years. Uh, in that first six or seven months, we were just, Susie and I were just getting to know each other. And, you know, it wasn't a long stint of ministry. It wasn't a long stint of what I felt like God had really called me out there for, but I found purpose and I found a reason that God had sent me out there. And if it was only to find uh, my beautiful wife, I am so happy that I was able to go out there and experience. Um, but number one thing that I definitely face in my relationships, in my uh, walk with God, and everything that I go through is infatuation. And I really want to kind of lay this ground level before we hop into the message on what infatuation is. Now, I know some of you guys, maybe middle schoolers, maybe uh, uh, parents are thinking, oh yeah, you know, you really go through that phase in those middle school years when you're starting to like girls or guys, and there's this infatuation, there's this feeling. But I want to the definition real fast and we're just going to kind of sit on this um, for a second and then we're going to hop into King David and how his love story with God um, kind of hit the ups and downs throughout it. So here we go. Infatuation, an intense but short-lived passion or admiration for someone or something. Actually, on the psychological level, infatuation puts your brain into overdrive, opening the floodgates of feel-good chemicals. Rushes of dopamine can change the wiring of your brain, giving you intense highs followed by extreme lows. Talk about disintoriation, right? It's crazy. We experience infatuation not only with people, but with things, with hobbies, with other things that are going on in our life. We experience these highs that happen. And not only do we experience those just down here on earth, but we experience those with our creator, 
with God. There are these highs that we hit. There are actual chemical dopamines that get hit when we experience the life of Jesus. That there are these passions. We get so on fire for God sometimes, right? And it's amazing. We cannot do no wrong. And the life of David that we're going to be looking at, he hit some real high points with God. But you know what? He had some real low moments. And we're just going to take a look at the life of David. And we're going to look at maybe where you're at in your journey with God, where you have been or where you are going. And we're going to look through the life and we're going to point out some things that maybe we can avoid. Maybe some things that God is really kind of priming you for. And maybe some points where you're like, you know what? I see where David went right. And so we're going to kind of look at this, and it's pretty exciting. We're going to look at three eras of King David. We're going to look at what King David started as pre-king. Number two, as king with all the accolades that he had. And number three, the redemption story post-King David. And so here we go. Pre-King David, David was the youngest of eight brothers. Uh, he was a farmer and a sheep breeder of the Israelites tribe of Judah. David likely spent most of his boyhood in the fields with not much responsibility other than that the, what was going on there, but was not looked at as a high um, priority of what uh, a man should be. You know, that, that position that he was in, is kind of the lowest of the low position that you can be in. And that was his destiny. It was what he felt like he was designed to do. What's crazy, and we're going to hit just right off the bat, one of the highest moments uh, in, his, um, in his history and what he had kind of gone through. Now, we're not going to read through all of it. We're going to point out some verses throughout the whole story, and we're going to really lean in. But I'm going to explain. Uh, many of you, not all of you, probably have heard the story of David and Goliath. David, a small, scrawny boy who was a uh, who tended the sheep, who was a farmer, who really had nothing going for him, was called out of that life, out of where he was, and was put on the front lines of military to take down one of the biggest, baddest guys that have ever been seen at that point in history. And he was asked to do the impossible. He was asked to put his faith, his trust in God. And he was asked to go and kill this giant man. I mean, it's crazy that we read this and we think, oh yeah, you know, that cartoon version that you see on VeggieTales or you just see it. But guys, that was brutal. That was something that it could have gone very, very bad. It could have ended his life right there. I'm sure those moments leading up to having the stone in his hand, having everything going on, I'm sure at some level there was this doubt that, man, guys, there's no backing out. If I'm going to do this, I'm full in, and there, there is a possibility that this could go very, very, very bad. Well, what ends up happening? He kills Goliath. He gets put over the military. Um, King Saul puts him over all of the military. And we're going to pick up because this is where the story really begins. Um, God has given him so much favor, so much 
all ready for him to be going towards. And so we're going to pick up in 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 7. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, sword, bow and belt. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war and appoint and appointed that was an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victorious Israelites army was returning home after David had killed the Philistines, women from all Women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy and tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed thousands and David his ten thousands. David had a ton of favor. Not only did he just kill one of the biggest and baddest, but now he is out there conquering with God by his side. And now he couldn't have done any of this without God literally getting him out of that farm life, out of one of the lowest society spots you can be, raising him up and giving him the strength that he needs to conquer and to be what God had really designed him to be. It is crazy. The accolades, the things that started to come in. People started to, to reach out to him. People started to just love on David. But no one was doing that when he was down there as a farmer. These accolades started to build up. It's crazy. Now let's look at what King David looked like once he took that kingship role. Let's pick up 2 Samuel 5, 1 through 7. Now, real fast before we read, there's a lot of stuff that happens between 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. And I recommend that if you have time, go and read this story. It's crazy what God had to really get him out of. Uh, even in the midst of King Saul, King Saul was very jealous. King Saul did a lot of trying to kill him, trying to get him out of there, um, did a lot of deceiving. And David remained faithful in God and had to flee for four years. I mean, it's just crazy. So there's a lot of things that are going on in these, this amount of time from 1 Samuel when he killed Goliath to now as he's taking this kingship. But here we go. 2 Samuel 5, 1 through 5. Then all the tribes of Israel went to David at Hebron and told him, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, when Saul was our king, you were the one who really led the forces of Israel. And the Lord told you, You will be the shepherd of my people Israel, and you, and, and you will be Israel's leaders. So there at Hebron, King David made a covenant before the Lord with all the elders of Israel, and they anointed him king of Israel. David was 33 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in all. He had reigned over Judah from Hebron for seven years and six months, and from Jerusalem he reigned over all Israel and Judah for 33 years. Guys, he had a lot 
of time to be put on this platform. Platforms I wanna talk about just for a little bit. For you guys, you might be looking at where you feel like God is leading you to. It might be a promotion, it might be kids, it might be that next chapter in life of a move, it might be uh, things are changing in your family dynamic, but you're praying and you're hoping for things to happen and for you to get to where God truly has you. Your desires, where you want to be, right? King David was on a platform for 40 years where people listened to him, where he was respected, where he had favor with God. And it's crazy how much pride can get in the way when you get put on platforms. See, we all want the glory. We all want people to hear us and respect us. I hear it all the time. I do it all the time. Man, if I was there, things would be different. I do it my way. I do it the way that I want to do it. But what you don't realize is that if God's the one that got you to that position and God's the one that's supposed to lead you in that position, really your way isn't the way that got you there. And your way for sure isn't going to be the reason why you stay there, right? But let's see what happens because all of a sudden King David is put on this platform with pride, with a ton of accolades that he, he had accomplished through God and look at the mistakes that were made. Here we are. The glory of God was so strong, was so strong over him. But the fall of man of pride is such a trap that is so easy to fall into. We're going to look at two mistakes. Two mistakes as he was king that he fell into. Number one, David had an affair with Bathsheba. And this is that power. This is that control that is so easy when you get put on these platforms to easily fall into because all of a sudden you are sitting there at some of the highest points and the idea that you can do no wrong, the idea that you can never fail sits right in front of you. You've gotten to the point that you wanted to. And that's where David was. And he had this moral, this big, huge failure right there in the midst of his kingship. Now it gets worse than that. And so this is where we're going to pick up just a quick three verses. We're going to pick up at 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 14 through 17. So the next morning, so this is right after um, David uh, had the affair with Bathsheba, and he wants her. He wants her so bad. This is that desire that is all his. This is what he wants. This is what he wants so bad. This is what happens. So the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver. Uriah is Bathsheba's husband. The letter instructed Joab, station Uriah, Uriah on the front lines where the battle is uh, fierce when then pull back so that he will be killed. So Joab assigned Uriah to a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. And when the enemy soldiers came out of the city to fight, Uriah the Hittites was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. Killed 
Bathsheba's husband. Guys, this platform that you get on, the fall can be so great, but the love of God, the love of God that can get you out of anything is still always right there. What's crazy is, is that he walked. I mean, he literally saw God be so faithful in his life through so much. I mean, I just touched on just a little bit of the story of him to kingship. But God had him so strongly in his grasps, in his, in his hands, and got him. Got him to that position so that he could lead the nation. But again, King David thought that he could do it better. That what he wanted, pride, got in the way. After memories flee and you're stood with this power, power over your kids, you have the responsibility, the domain over your kids, your new promotion, maybe your marriage, you forget who got you there. You forget the reason why you were once in a spot where you had no hope, you didn't think you could get there. And now all of a sudden, God got you to a place. And maybe for those, you haven't accepted Christ. And maybe you feel like, you know what? I, I earned everything that I did. I did everything that I could to pos position myself into a place where I could better my life. You're missing it. God loves you and cares for you, whether you're walking with him or you're not. Whether you were in his hands or not. Whether you were making mistakes or not. God has his hands over everybody in this world. It's a crazy concept to grasp. But in King David's position, he was a faithful man, faithful boy. He saw what God could do with Goliath, with the safety over King Saul trying to kill him. And he forgot it all. How often do we have these moments with God and we forget it and we're like, oh yeah, but my way, my way is better. I'm the one who got out of that situation. It's really easy for me, especially um, with the car accident that I got in back in 2014. There's moments where I can look back on that and I can say, well, I'm the one who had to go through the physical therapy. I'm the one who had to go and see the counselors. I'm the one who had to put myself in positions to better myself every single day. It's a trap I still fall into when I look back on it. But I have to remind myself every day that the reason that I am where I'm at today is because of the love and the grace that Jesus Christ has for me. And it's crazy to look at because when I was in those physical therapy, when I was in those counseling, it was people, God's people, God's church who showed up and was there comforting, being there, loving. And it was because of who God put in my life and what God represents in my life of the reason why I am out of where I am out of the basement of life and able to be able to share my story to you, to teens, to this community, 
and it's crazy. But if I don't remember why I got to where I'm at, doesn't matter. Because pride will get in the way. We see it right here in King David's life. Right after this, the fall gets worse and worse and worse for King David. We're going to walk through one more thing. This is the mistake that got King David really thinking about who am I really serving and following. So, there was a plague that broke out. Uh, King David called for a census and brought everybody together. Um, it was not advised. It was not something that anyone really thought should have happened. And he brought everybody together and a plague broke out. And King David is sitting here with a, with a country that is not understanding what is going on. There's this huge thing. People are dying left and right. And King David takes a step back and realizes, oh, I, I screwed up. God, what I have been doing, the way I have been leading, it's not been good. I have put myself above you. I have put myself above the people that I'm leading. And this is what happens. 2 Samuel chapter 24, verses 24. Here we go. But the king replied to Arnah, No, I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer for the land and the plague on Israel was stopped. David was given options by God for this plague to end. David realized that the only way that God can make this stop is if he, God, were to take control. It doesn't matter how far you fall off the platform. Maybe you've had promotions. Maybe you've had uh, kids. Maybe you've had a marriage. Maybe you've had a situation in your life that was given to you by God. And you messed it up. And maybe you're sitting here today wondering, what do I do? Give it to God. Put God in control. Humble yourself. Give yourself to God. Because King David, one of the greatest leaders to ever lead our world, had Issues with pride, with falling off that pedestal, with falling out of everything that God had for him. But he had to come to a realization, this redemption story, we're just about to get to point three, this redemption story that you know what? My way is not the best way. The way that I have been living, the way that I have been leading the people that you gave me, God, has not been glorifying to you. And this is what happens. This is post-king. This is post-fall. The accolations are gone. He's sitting here left with decisions. What happens is, as he passes his throne, 
onto his son, Solomon. He had to humble himself. He had to stay faithful even when everything around him began to crumble. He had to remind himself of how he got to where he was. There's a lot of reflection that takes place in this, in this time. In this post-fall, in this post, oh man, I just really screwed up. There's a lot of reflection and a lot of looking back on how did I get to where I was. What's crazy is that David wrote a good portion of a book of these journals of his journey. And it's crazy to see what King David really wrote about. What his true heart's desire was really like before all these accolades, before he got to where he was. David had a very intimate relationship with his creator. This love story, this love note of how much he relied on Jesus, relied on God in the moments where he was most scared. But it takes this humbling heart. It takes this realization that, you know what? I'm not in control. It's not my way. Maybe you're sitting here in a friendship, in a marriage, in this parent, um, son, daughter relationship. And all it takes is for you to take a step back. Humble yourself before God and say, you know what? I don't have anything down here on earth because of the things that I did to earn it. But I have everything down here because you are a sovereign God who loves and desires to have the best intentions for my heart and what I need. And you think, you thank God every day that when you wake up, you've got the job, you've got friends, you've got people around you that care so intimately about you, and you've got a God that absolutely loves and desires the best for you. We're going to wrap up this message with a song. And this is how David wrote the book of Psalms. They are journals that were turned into hymns. And so he was an amazing harp player. And he sang these songs. And we read a lot of them uh, in the book. But I want to hop into um, Psalms 57. And it is actually going to be a YouTube video that's going to plop up. And this is right as um, he had killed Goliath. David had just killed Goliath. And he's fleeing because Saul is very jealous. King Saul is very jealous. And the relying, the intimate relationship that King David has with God is absolutely astounding. And so I want you guys to listen to these words of this it's Psalms 57, but it's saying. And I want you guys to think about, am I at a place with my relationship with God where I can say that I feel the way that King David felt in those moments? Or am I at the point with the, where King David was when he was ruling and had the accolades and was trying to do it his own way. Reflect. Look at where you fall. Because we're all somewhere in this, in this timeline. 
We all fall somewhere in this journey. Look at where you're at. Reflect. And get to a place where you say, God, you're in control. I love you so much that no matter what happens, I want to honor you. Listen to the Psalms and pray that, God, I want to be there. I want to have that intimate relationship with you.